has Miss Bunting gone? Yes. She got a lift down to the village with Mrs. Crawley. Well, that was nice of her. I wanted to apologize for arguing with you at dinner. You were nothing compared to her. She has her views, that's true. But I must confess, they remind me of how I used to feel. Is that what you want, Tom? To go back? And you've come so far? I've come a long way from who I was, that's true enough. And is it a bad thing? We're not lovers, you know. <laughs> what? That time when you were in London, you thought we'd got up to something. We never did. As Sybil's father, this is not an easy conversation for me. But if I was wrong, then I am sorry. The truth is I worry less about that and if Miss Bunting is taking you back into the role of rebel and hater. I'm not a hater. I don't hate anyone. Least of all you. Good day, my lady, my lord, and my non-binary roommates. <laughs> Welcome back to our amusing social political review of Downton Abbey. We had so much fun recording this episode, but please be careful as we'll be discussing season four's rape storyline. Feel free to skip ahead. Timestamps will be in the description. Now, onto the episode. They converted him from a socialist radical lower class to an upper class person. He's when he became caretaker of Downton after like, Brandon how... couldn't do that anymore. And you know, he was I mean, I know he fought, you know, joining them as um as the seasons went on, he he resisted. But he still succumbed yeah. to that and he he became he literally became one of them and that was that, you know, yeah. was, happy being one of the rich being waited upon and and that was that yeah and i understand that that's his family once um sybil died and then um in childbirth after giving birth to their daughter also named sybil um so you know he had a connection to the family and he did go away to america for a little bit Mm -hmm. to try and you know find you know something for himself that he could make his own and somewhere he would be accepted but he ultimately came down back to Downton um, because that's his family or whatever. And then he just joined them and started running the estate. I mean, Matthew was, um, it was much easier to sell Matthew on the idea of joining them because, you know, Matthew was just, he was middle-class. So, you know, he wasn't even that far away from them. So I guess that's why it was easier. Working, waiting on him. And their household was made up of one cook and one Mm -hmm. valet. I think that was it. But like, you, you mm-hmm. still have your servants who are waiting on you. Yes, it's not, yep. you know, 20 people in your staff, but it's still, yeah, he needed, all he needed was a, a slight shove. And even his mm-hmm. mom took to that lifestyle very quickly. They completely, they fully embraced it. Yeah, Matthew and, that's Matthew and Tom. But then you had a, a few other people um, downstairs who were against the idea of being servants till they die and they were also treated very badly and that's where ethel comes in um (laughs) ethel was one of the the chambermaids the ladies maids one of the maids and um 
she was very much, you know, very opinionated again, just like Branson and wanted to make something of herself and dreamt of, you know, a better life. But then she got involved with the soldier during the war and he left her and she was pregnant. She didn't know what to do. Um, so she couldn't support herself as a maid and whatnot. And also she slept with someone, so she got fired. Um, so, so she ends up becoming a prostitute. And, you know, back then that was the worst thing that could happen. Like you'd probably rather be dead. Yes, you would actually. Than be a sex worker because people acted like you had leprosy. They wouldn't even want to touch you, wouldn't be in the same room as you. And it was just very sad that, again, we see somebody who is opinionated and who is against elitism and how quickly they're not even, they didn't even try to save her. They just like cast her aside. You know, she became a cautionary tale, mm-hmm. essentially, of how you shouldn't aspire to do too much and you shouldn't, you shouldn't do... aspire to be greater than you are. You shouldn't, you shouldn't aspire to rise above your station. Exactly. Horrible messaging. Running do not me. show this to children. Exactly. Exactly. And the way I, what really irks me as well about Ethel was the discrimination when she became a prostitute. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're a prostitute. How can you even make something of yourself? Like Mrs. Hughes literally said, she, she's on the road to ruin now. And I'm just like, girl, it's not that deep. Thank God for, you know, modernization, liberalization. I don't even know, but we're not that terrible right now. There's still a lot of stigma associated with sex work and OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. But at least it's not a sort of like um you're now the outcast. At least nowadays you have. I mean, it's still something that you're going to get a lot of hate for, but you also mm-hmm. you also get a lot of admiration for it, and you get love 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 for it. Whereas back then mm-hmm. you're only getting quote unquote love from your clients, and even then they're going to treat you horribly. Um, but now yeah. it's like you still you get a lot of support also uh, to go along yeah. with bad. It's it was so terrible and I don't know now obviously no one's trying to say sex work is the best thing like right now and like you should just go and do it but you know a lot of sex workers get to work for themselves they're self employed so they get to choose their clients and choose what they they will do and what they won't do and so it's not such a terrible thing it's no longer oh just like really poor downtrodden people who go into sex work it's also you know a lot of people willingly going into it because they actually enjoy it and they like selling their feet to strangers online for like a hundred dollars or whatever and so um it was interesting to see just you know i guess it's sexism really isn't it just (laughs) you know the fact that oh she's a prostitute so uh she's the worst she's like the scum of the earth meanwhile a lot of her johns and a lot of her clients are just walking around in the street and nobody says anything to them but yeah the double standards (laughs) (laughs) of course like you mentioned earlier um two people who also weren't a fan of qualies that much were o'brien and thomas Thomas is one of my faves. I think Tom, well, Thomas is my fave, actually, because he, I feel like he's one of the most interesting characters on that show. And even though he's a bad person for, for a lot of the show, there's a reason for it, kind of. I mean, it's not a justification, but you at least understand why he is the way it's he an is. explanation, is not a justification. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. A word, that's a word. An explanation, <laughs> not a justification. Because he's carrying this huge secret um, 
not really a secret. It's an open secret because everyone downstairs seems to know that he's gay, <laughs> except for Daisy. <laughs> Yeah, she's just oblivious, but she's young and naive, so she's so yeah, Thomas is he is our he's our gay bestie. He's <laughs> our devious, devious, fabulous bestie. So I was pleasantly surprised at the beginning of the show when Thomas wasn't like a super flamboyant, you know, oh my gosh. I mean he wouldn't have said that. My word. <laughs> um yeah. I love your stockings, my lady, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that version then so i was like oh okay he's gay and you know people know this is interesting da, da, da. but then thomas is one of the saddest characters on that show <laughs> like he goes yeah. so so many bad things happen to him and i don't even like he's kind of a bad person at the beginning so he's manipulating daisy and making fun of william and william's crush on daisy and that mm-hmm. whole mr beats exactly he accused mr bates of stealing that's like really bad because he was stealing and so he like accused mr bates um to throw the scent off himself yeah because o'brien advised him to that was her idea um and yeah so he's like a bad person and i guess we don't really care about him but then he goes to war and um that whole scene with him raising his hand and getting shots in the hand deliberately just so that he could come home mm-hmm. and a lot of people thought he was cowardly for doing that and that was but i didn't think so i was like right there's a fucking war going on my guy <laughs> like i'm not about to judge anyone <laughs> when he did that i'm like yeah when, when mr mosley let's um i think Brian yeah. corley had lied to the doctor so he would get a military exemption and then mm-hmm. um they found out and they're like okay we're going to send you now and then he now went to the doctor and was like oh yeah no i actually do have health problems i'm like yes do that avoid deflect at all costs i'm like i, I this is not my fight mm-hmm. i'll keep saying that i don't even though <laughs> Technically, that was their fight because it's their country. But I didn't ask to be in this war. I don't want to be involved. So, like, I will do what I can to yeah. stay out. So, I, I, I was on his side about the whole, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Booze is just like, I'm a pacifist. I don't agree in violence, okay? I'm not involved <laughs> in this. <laughs> pacifist, but I'm also lazy as fuck. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like I was kind of judging Mosley a little bit just because obviously nobody wants to go to war but i was even trying to hide it i think it was the fact that he just thought he was just like yeah i need to get out of this <laughs> he didn't even there was never a point where he thought maybe i should volunteer he was just like, yeah. i'm not even going to, at least thomas actually went exactly Mosley said i'm not even going to get fitted for my yeah. uniform when um matthew's mother because matthew's mother is the one who um because she found out that Violet had lied for Mosley. Yeah, she was like, so she tried oh, to get him. That old men are going. I was actually annoyed with Matthew's mother. Because I'm like, even because your son went. Have, yeah. First of all, Matthew is younger than Mosley. Like, Mr. Mosley, exactly. he was like old. But I'm like, he was old enough that he shouldn't have had to go. And um, Violet did that because she knew he was his father's only son. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, Matthew was the only child too but i'm like did you because your son went like why are you trying to make me go like your son went i don't have to go i felt i don't know if that was her intention but i felt like she did that because you know she Mm -hmm. felt my son has gone you also have to go so yeah a lot of things she did actually annoyed me yeah she's she's very annoying very annoying annoyed with that 
I think it's shell shock, but it was called mm. you know, and also, but like they didn't really like okay, you no, know, we fixed him up as best as we can physically so he can go home and deal with his mental issues. And it was so frustrating because Thomas and Sybil they were fighting for this guy and Mrs. Crawley and the doctor were like, We can't do anything. It is what yeah. it is. Like it's just one bed. Mm-hmm. I just it's ugh, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, but at the same time it's a tough because they're they're tough, yeah. Yeah. that that need that bed. So it was exactly. it was so, a difficult position. I think that's even why they opened oh, I think it was in that moment that Sybil was like, um, because Mrs. Crawley had mentioned the using Downton as the infirmary yeah. thing. Then in that moment Sybil was like, This might, you know, make them more inclined to say yes to do it. Yeah, the fact that someone has died. So yeah, it's almost like his death is like a sacrifice. At least I guess it was meaningful in that way, but it was, it was very sad to watch. And so we see uh, uh, Thomas takes this, you know, blow and then he goes back to Downton and now he's kind of running the infirmary, but that's only temporary because, you know, the war ends and, and so it's like, what am I going to do now? And he tries <laughs> to go into the black market and that doesn't work out. And so there's this really um memorable scene where he's he's angry about because he thought he was selling some flour and and food items but it turns out he was duped and so he just wrecks everything and you know it's one of those scenes you have where you just like act someone's just very angry and breaking everything and it's supposed to be like a kind of cathartic i guess a little bit just this like explosion of of anger and emotion yeah because i feel like thomas His whole vibe for the entire show has just been like quiet rage. He's just been like quietly seething. Sinister, yeah. Yeah, he's always looking so vexed and angry, and that's why he's so mean to everyone. But now he he was just like fuck. He he just had a big moment, and so he goes through a lot. And I don't know why his character, why all these bad things happen to him. but but they keep happening. I mean, even o- O'Brien basically killed the baby, and her character got to like go off to India <laughs> or some shit. Like she got to yeah. live a nice sunny life. But I don't know. Thomas just has a lot of bad luck. It's like you know, it it only even the buying the thing he spent his life savings on. You mm-hmm. know, the fake stuff that ended up being fake. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like oh, he's you know trying to find an easy way out of poverty and this and that, and you know it's. Um, another thing that you know, people when they want to, you know, it's another like capitalism or um, talking point of you know, don't be hard work is the way. Don't try and find an easy way out of this yeah. or that. It's like when realistically, it's usually the rich people who find the easy way out of stuff, you know, and it's the poor people who are you know working hard and. So yeah, just punishing Thomas. It, it was half his karma for doing bad things, and the other half was punishing him for wanting better. Because I mean, at the end of the show, where did Thomas end up in Downton? Exactly. As, I mean, he was the butler, so he took over Carson's position. So I mean, I yeah. guess he ended up getting better, do, doing better for him for himself. But he's still like they're like, no, you're not going to. Be, you're not going to do better than being a servant for the Crawleys, even though that's exactly. what you don't want to do. Yeah. And of course, a big part of Thomas's uh, character was, you know, his queer identity. He's a part of yeah. 
alphabet mafia gang gang. <laughs> he's a gay man in 19 the 1900s early 1900s <laughs> and so that's awful and um it's it's so interesting seeing him be in the closet but then everyone knows he's gay but he's still technically in the closet and all his failed attempts at finding relationships or even just friendships like the whole um Jimmy storyline of how um O'Brien set Jimmy up to like get close to Thomas without telling him that Thomas is gay and so Thomas yeah. is thinking oh he's like giving me the moves and that goes to show how you know at that time like being gay <laughs> like homophobia is so terrible because you can't be yourself and I'm a straight person so I don't really know <laughs> but from what I've heard it's it must be so annoying because language is annoying <laughs> annoying is such a tiny word to use but it's so terrible because all the things i take for granted like just saying oh that guy's hot like like gay people in love spaces cannot even say that they can't say oh yeah. that sexy because people look at them like oh my gosh you're an abomination or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. and so and so yeah he has to use all these codes and and signs and and you know the way he has to touch jimmy lightly and you know see if he pulls away to gauge whether he might be into and it's oh my gosh you have to be a detective if you're gay it's like a gay Sherlock Holmes you have to like deduce someone's the, the origin of the term gator probably mm. definitely came from some I mean I'm sure there's more to it but I feel like that was I feel like there's a deeper origin of why gator is a term yeah. um I think I read an article about that so I don't oh. know I forgot it was a while ago um on the topic of, you know, being gay and trying to navigate the world, it reminds me of, well, I remember in, a, in season one, Mr. Pramuk, he wasn't gay. When he came in and um, I think Thomas read, he got the wrong signal, the wife yeah. from him. And Thomas thought he was gay. So like he went, when he went to serve him in his room or something, mm-hmm. he was, you know, making... Approaching him, and then the people pushed him off. He was like, Well, how dare you? Well, I'm going to destroy you. This is what I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. he went only for Mr. Pamu, who was so offended that the man was hitting him. I'm not even joking. Seconds, I think it was the next scene, mm-hmm. he went and basically assaulted Mary. It grew up. And it's, it's like, when you think about it, that's what happens in real life. Yeah. It's straight men hate being um, hit on by gay men. Like, okay, you know what? I get no be not wanting to be hit on by someone you're not attracted to. That's fine. Uh-huh. But it's so ironic and hypocritical when uh-huh. you do that. Like you, 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 it's no one to hit on you if you like. You have the right to not want to be hit on by anyone. But then you can't do the exact same thing to a woman and expect her to receive it. And like, that's exactly what happened within the span of five minutes. Uh-huh. He was so like, he wanted to destroy Thomas in that moment. I think if, cause he died that night, if he had lived on the next day, he would literally have destroyed Thomas's uh-huh. life and reported him and got him fired and everything. Uh-huh. And he only wanted to go and then coerce Mary into, like he didn't rape Mary. I think she did that willingly, but coerce her into having sex with him. I'm like, uh mr pamuk uh led thomas on a little bit i think he knew yeah. at some point in the conversation when tom was like i would love to see turkey and giving him the eye <laughs> he picked up on oh i think this dude's hitting on me but he like mm-hmm. went along with it and was like okay oh, tie my tie to really yeah. like 
you know, indulge Thomas so that he could blackmail Thomas with the with the, oh, I'm going to report you so that, you know, Thomas can help him sneak into Mary's room. So I think he did that deliberately. I don't know if he he was really that offended or he was just putting on a yeah. show to make it seem like, oh, I'm going to yeah. report you. But yeah, it's so sad. Like Thomas had to, you know, do all this subterfuge to, to try and just know if someone was gay, first of all, then if they were into him and all that whole thing. That, that, is, that sounds really tough. And there's the scene where he, Mrs. Mrs. Wright, she's such a witch. She's really telling Thomas, oh, Jimmy likes you. He likes you. And Thomas is like, no, he doesn't. What do you say? And he finally gives in. And then, this is a bit sus, he sneaks, he sneaks into Jimmy's room while he's asleep and starts kissing him. And then, yeah, I I'm like, oh, this is not the way, Thomas. This is not how you do it. And then Jimmy wakes up like, what the fuck? Like, naturally, a very normal response. <laughs> but then he's also, there's the added level of, you know, homophobia of like, what are you doing? I'm not the way. And it's so sad. Thomas, uh, Jimmy's roommate comes back into the room and like sees them and is like, oh my gosh, you guys are gay. And Jimmy's like, no, it's not what it looks like. I'm not, I'm okay. And Thomas is like, you don't need to lie to him. You can be honest. <laughs> and I just, I wanted to laugh and cry at the same time. I was just like, oh my God. This is so sad. Like, oh my God. He, he was actually... <laughs> I'm like, Thomas, he's not gay. This is not... This is not... No. But yeah, I thought... I think moments like that really made me just really empathize with Thomas and kind of be on his side. Even though I don't know why he's kissing people who are sleeping. <laughs> right, right. It's still, you know, a soul... But you, uh, again, it was one of those things that they would. I mean, actually, no, I saw it as well. It just yeah. recognized for what it was, but then mm. he was, in his mind, he was um, exploring. Yeah. I guess. I, like, not at all defending him. Just. I don't, I don't know, man. There's not. Just a bad way. <laughs> There's no defense. He thought this was like a fairy tale. He thought this was Sleeping Beauty or some shit. It's like, no, this is this is real life, unfortunately. And people are very homophobic. And then the whole thing with Jimmy and like, is he going to tell his secret? And it, it was just really sad watching Thomas go through all of that because of, you know, who he is and a part of himself that he cannot... Um, I think wasn't there a time where he took pills or something because he wanted... I remember he was saying to the doctor, he had, doctor asked him, like, oh, what's did you take mm-hmm. uh, or why did you take the mother and he said um because i wanted to shoot, i wanted to change myself mm-hmm. and it's yeah yeah that was <laughs> yeah he tried to quote unquote it's... fix himself he tried to mm-hmm. you know get rid of the gay and it's 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 really sad watching him watching him try life sometimes yeah. Yeah, that was really terrible. And I just hate that when I was getting to the end of the series, I kept thinking, oh, Thomas is going to find someone because, of course, like somebody, he's going to at least have a friend, even if it's not a lover. And and he just never did on the show. And I was so, I was so annoyed. I felt robbed. I was like, surely we've seen him go through this rough patch we need like the upbeat moment at the end we need you know a happy resolution for him because he's been through so much and we've seen him 
since episode one and and he's like part of our Downton family or whatever. But no, all the rich people end up being rich and Mary's Mary doesn't get one but two, you know, great husbands and Thomas is just by himself. And maybe he wouldn't have a boyfriend. Maybe that's unrealistic, even though gay people were just like obviously still a thing. They were around <laughs> at that time. But he didn't even have a friend. They were just like, oh, he's a butler now. And I'm like, really? Is that all we're going to do with Thomas? <laughs> okay. Anyways, justice for Thomas. <laughs> Thomas Barron. I, I don't know what happened to I mean, he sh- shortly he came back for the movie. So I guess oh, yeah. maybe something happened there. Yeah, in the know. movie, he in the movie he got a, a boyfriend, kind of. Well, he got to go to a gay club and meet oh, other gay men. Yeah, for the first and time. And the, the, the second movie coming out next year. Mm, so I guess God knows he does have <laughs> some kind of happy ending after all. Yeah, but that was clearly an afterthought. Like, of course it was. <laughs> Downton ran from I think 2010 to 2016, maybe, and then the movie was in 2019. So it was more like p- people probably riot and like wrote letters of you know Thomas mm. needs to find someone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Julian was like, "Okay, fine. I'll write a, a <laughs> love story for Thomas." <laughs> Leave me alone now. <laughs> I don't know what else do I want to say about Thomas. I liked him. He was very funny. I think that's also, and I love a funny character. <laughs> Someone yeah. who makes me laugh, not like a clown, but he had a lot of really sarcastic, snarky things to say, and uh, yeah. and I appreciate that. I think he was the only one who really made me laugh on that show, character-wise, because I think the granny was meant to be comic relief, but I didn't find her that funny. Sorry, Dame Maggie. Like, you know, the older woman who was, you know, quote-unquote savage, that everyone is like, oh my yeah. god, skipped. That's, that was what she was. Very much an Olena Tyrell type. Yeah. Olena did it better, by the way. I still love you, Dame Maggie Smith, but, you know... Yeah, I didn't find her character too compelling, personally. I know she's a fan fave, and people find her completely hilarious, but... I don't know. The thing she says, like, they're kind of witty or funny, but it's like, uh. and her whole rivalry with Mrs. Crawley was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> I feel I feel like Mary did was even funnier. Like, Mary also had some moments where she was, you know, mean to people, and she would say something really terrible to Edith that was mm-hmm. actually kind of funny, and I'm like, oh, well, such. Yeah. Mr. Bates was so annoying. Like, I was really like, what is the point of this character? <laughs> Mr. Bates was... Like, why I mean, I didn't particularly find I didn't particularly find him annoying, but it was when I was just okay. He's a good guy, and I feel like he was in a lot of unfortunate situations. Mm-hmm. But like so many things he did, I I know because we saw okay, he didn't kill his ex wife. He wasn't actually thief, this and that. But like mm-hmm. they gave him so many. Sh- second chances like he was on his 50th Um, chance by the time the show ended like at some point we just you know he's bad news sorry but it was like he's a good guy but then he gets into these dubious situations but everyone always believes in him because he's mr bates and he would never steal wine or he would never kill somebody or what and it, it was just so the the time when he went to prison, I was so uninterested. I think I fast forwarded most of this episode. 
because I'm like I don't care about this ma- like why are you trying to make me he was so uncharismatic like on screen just <laughs> the character I didn't want to blame the actor but yeah. the character had was just like dull and then everything every every time he had an issue he would never just come forward and say hey my leg is broken can you guys help me out <laughs> you would always you'd always have to squeeze the he and Anna, I've, I mean, uh, I guess that was supposed to be cute, but I didn't really care for he and Anna as a couple. Yes, and I did not like it. Even him being so tight-lipped, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, is it, was it just because that was how things were supposed to be back then? You know, you don't just mm-hmm. pour all your issues onto your employer or people above you. But at the same time, like, your leg literally has pieces of metal <sighs> squeezing what? into it. As like every at every second of the day, like surely that is like you should say something. Come on, why are you making me endure this? Why are you making me beat this information out of you? Like just tell us what's wrong, my G. But he would always, you know, be like, I need to carry this cross by myself. I need to bear this, and that is so frustrating. And. This is so funny because some people around me tell me I tend to do a similar thing, but I don't think that's true. I I know my limits, okay? Like, in general, I'm like, if I can do something myself and I'll I'll just do it, I'm like, okay, I don't need to to bother anyone or involve anyone, I'll do it. But never have I had metal inside my leg (laughs) and I've just been walking around with a a lame stick like, oh, oh, yes, everything's fine. (laughs) Who does that? He's so he's so probably, probably like a pride thing because he's a man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, that's the thing. I don't know if it's like pride or if he just if it's a bit of like a hero complex or something, like he doesn't want to bother anyone with his problems. He you know, he wants to be the solemn like soldier, like, oh I can do I can take all the bullets and do all the things and and you needn't worry about me. But it was very it was very exhausting. <laughs> it was like the, the whole thing with the leg was like, okay, cool. Then the thing with his wife and he would never tell anyone mm-hmm. when his wife came to blackmail the Crawleys um, about the whole Mary and Pamuk thing um, and because she had found out about that he, he just quit his job and went to be with her and didn't tell Lord Grantham why he <laughs> like... yeah so you, said, you said Thomas was one of your favorite your, your favorite character yes um, I think I've, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier but I do have a favorite character on the show mm-hmm. because each and every one of them annoyed me at some point <laughs> yeah. and I mean, I can still be annoyed by character. I have been annoyed by some of my favorite characters in the past, but in this show, I just have no favorites. I think Thomas was one of the best written characters. Mm. I feel like most of the other characters on the show were not that they were necessarily flat, but mm. there was not much depth to them. To them. Mm, yeah, Anna was one of those characters who oh. didn't have much depth. Like she was just. From day one, she was a good person, and like mm-hmm. that was it. She went through struggles and trials and tribulations and this and that, but she didn't have depth to her. So I didn't feel con- even when she was going through her hard, hard times, I still wasn't able. I still didn't really connect with her the way I connected with like Thomas when he was going through his struggles. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I felt I felt invested in Thomas. I never felt invested in Anna. 
or most of the other characters. Yeah, I feel like Anna and Mr. Bates for me are just very stagnant characters <laughs> from episode one through to season six, episode whatever the last episode is. They are just the same people and some really terrible things happen. Mr. Ba- Bates ends up in prison for some reason or another that I don't recall now. <laughs> but, That's why he's dead or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, his wife's dead. He got framed. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm so uninterested in everything that happened. <laughs> like, I really don't care about him. He's so boring. God. But yes. Um, so yeah, things happen to them, but like nothing really changes them or or impacts them in a meaningful way or even makes them more of what they already are. They're still mm-hmm. like the same level of kind yeah. or the same level. It's like what is what is your purpose here? You're more here to because I thought at first she was just going to be more of a functional character. She was going to help them facilitate things. When she was carrying Pamuk's dead body into his room, I was like, okay, she's going to be more of a tool. But then they started spotlighting her (laughs) with her relationship with Mr. Bates and giving that more screen time. And I was like, okay, let me get invested in this. But nothing was interesting. I never bought into their love story. He seemed a lot older than her, so that kind of creeped me out. (laughs) I was just never into it. And then, ugh, and then something very, very terrible happened to her. Trigger warning for sexual assault. Um, so everything is going well for Anna at this point. She's with Mr. Bates. She's working as um, Lady Mary's maid person. She, you know, life is good. And then um, something really tragic happens. It's like when she's finally on a high, she just, you know... I guess that's how life is. But um, while working at Downton Abbey, she gets raped by a valet, someone's valet. Yeah, someone's visitor. Yeah, someone's yeah. visitor with their stuff. Yeah, there's a visitor that comes over, one of Mary's love interests, um, and he, his valet uh, rapes Anna downstairs while everyone else is upstairs um, during a concert or something. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I really didn't like the way that story was handled. Um, I mean, whenever it's women, whenever sexual assault of women is shown on screen, I'm always very like, because um, it's usually not written well. It's written by men in like in this case who have no idea what it's like. And I doubt they do that much research. (laughs) Um, They just kind of write what they feel. So on that episode, um, the man comes, his name is Mr. Green, that's the her rapist, and, you know, she's joking around with him, she's just being friendly, everyone else is, everyone's being friendly to him, because, you know, they're all nice, friendly people, and he seems to be kind of joking with her a little bit more than the others, and Mr. Bates is jealous, and he's, he's telling her to stay away from him, and, you know, oh, you guys are looking very cozy, and Anna, you know, being Anna, she's like, oh, don't worry about him, we're just being friendly, ha 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 ha, and then later that evening, he actually rapes her in a very terrible, like the way I was actually, I was so upset. And I don't think there was a trigger warning for that episode. I mean, I know this was a couple of years ago, sometime. Yeah. But still, I feel like there should have been a trigger warning because it was kind of unexpected. Um, yeah, so that happened. And I just felt very annoyed because it almost felt like, the writer was like proving Mr. Bates right or something. Mm-hmm. Like there yes. was a moral 
like the moral of the story is like listen to your husband or listen to your boyfriend when he tells you to stay away from someone and i yeah, that really that's actually partly your fault because you were too friendly yeah like you should have been wary of him or, or or you should have known or something and like oh maybe maybe if you didn't do this mm-hmm. things have happened to you exactly that that was very much the vibe it's giving and i don't know why again when we're talking about these shows and thinking about the message that they messages that they send why why is that why is that your message julian <laughs> why like it's what are you trying to say <laughs> no, it's like i hate when stuff like that is thrown in mm. and it just because yes when you preface it with saying you know anna was finally like things were going well for her she mm. was you know still working with um still in her place of employment, you know, on good terms with Miriam and everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, she and Bates had finally, I think they had gotten married at that point, so, you know, they were in a good place. She didn't have anything going against them. And Julian was literally sitting in his room while he was writing <laughs> this show. And was like, what can I do to make Anna? What can I do to just, you know, mess up for a little bit? Mm-hmm. And he just threw in a rape out of the blue. Like, rape happens all the time. It's it has always like since time began it has yeah. always happened so it's not like it's necessarily out of place in life mm-hmm. but it felt out of place and just thrown into the story just to have a plot point because yeah, yeah like it was honestly just plucked out of thin air and put in there so they, they could have you know conflicts for that episode mm-hmm. or for that arc and it, it's because Julian Fellows, he wrote every single episode. I feel like, I think there were two episodes where he was the co-writer. Yeah. But for the most part, he wrote every single episode. Mm-hmm. So this was all him. And mm-hmm. it was all so unnecessary. He did, like, if you really wanted something, like, she ended up getting pregnant at some point. They can always made her pregnant then. If he really wanted Anna to stop being happy in that moment. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think I, I agree with you um, completely because obviously rape is very unfortunate, but it happens in real life. So I can't say that it's unrealistic that Anna would get it. Like, it's not, this is something that happens. That's like saying it's unrealistic that somebody in the show would die. It's like people die. <laughs> people die, right? So it's going to happen. But it's like the way it's used and the message you send. So first thing, the message I thought was a bit off, you know, having Mr. Mm-hmm. Bates warn her and then him turning out to be right. But then also the way her rape is used like we were saying earlier, Anna is a very flat character. She's She feels very one note. And when after going through something like rape, you, you would have thought, okay, if they're going to do something this like tragic to her character, like it would change her, it would shape her in some way. So um, Game of Thrones, for example, we keep going back to that show, but um, it's on my mind. Anticipate the Game of Thrones episode. It probably yeah. episodes. Okay, episode like we're gonna have four a four part <laughs> for Game of Thrones. <laughs> the season of Game of Thrones episodes. You guys, you lot are not ready for a Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be. We're already we're already teasing it right now subconsciously. It's, you know, we're putting it in there. But yeah, so for on Game of Thrones, for example, I feel like um, Sansa's character went through hell right and then she she got uh, raped by ramsey on their wedding night and all of that stuff and 
whilst I wouldn't say it was like useful or for her character to go through that, but at least you saw after that happened to her character, there was a change in her. It affected her moving forward. Like she sort of carried that with her. I feel like her, a lot of her demeanor changed. Even mm-hmm. just the way she carried herself was different. The way she spoke was different. And then she has that speech when she's talking to um, Littlefinger. Oh, Littlefinger. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's talking to Littlefinger about what, you know, what Ramsay did to her and all of that stuff. And then finally, uh, towards the end of Game of Thrones, she gets to kill him, or at least she sentences him to death, Littlefinger. Um, and then Arya, you know, chops his head off or kills him or whatever. And even before that, she got to kill Ramsay, she, you know, she sent the dogs on him to eat him up and stuff. And so I feel like that, the the sexual assault and what she went through definitely played a role in who she became and like who her yeah. character was. So at least there was a point to it. But then in the case of Anna, nothing really changed. Like she was, Anna, we saw her deal with the aftermath of the rape and the, the side effects and everything. Um, and her not wanting to be touched by anyone, you know, crying a lot. Um, but then nothing changed for her herself substantially. Yeah. Like afterwards, after a while, she just went back to being Anna. And it felt like... Also, her... it put a strain on her marriage with Bates. Yeah. And that was just, you know, like you said, she, after a while, she got over that. Just mm-hmm. like how they overcame that and they were, you know... As if it never happened, but exactly, and they were before happened. Yeah, and I first of all, I think that's not very realistic. I don't think most people who go through something as traumatizing as that just go or like remain unchanged. Mm -hmm. But you know, even if you wanted to play that way, so what was the point of the rape then? Like, why is it in here? (laughs) What is? And it felt like it was just more so to create conflict within that season because then it became about Mister Bates killing Green, and again. And this is something that happens in a couple of shows and, and films. Sometimes also, and she was arrested. Oh yeah. <laughs> she was arrested for his murder. Oh yeah, she got arrested. Well br- yeah. yeah, briefly and then they were like, obviously she didn't kill him. But um but yeah, she was arrested, so she went through that as well, but nothing really changed for her. And so in a lot of films and TV shows, sometimes they use rape of a woman as something to motivate a man or like yes. to affect the the trajectory of a male characters you know thing it's like oh you have your male protagonist and one time he saw his mother get raped by somebody and now he's batman like that's that's how they use it a lot of the time so it felt like julian fellows was doing a little bit of that it's like oh this terrible thing happened to anna but rather than focusing on anna's psyche and her story and her how she reclaims herself after the rape it was like this bad thing happened and now her husband is going for it to avenge her her honor. I haven't seen every time I talk about um Fifty Shades of Grey, I have to mm. mention that I haven't seen the movies or read the books. Yeah. But did wasn't Christian's Christian Grey's mother like there's a reason he's like asexual whatever he is <laughs> was was it because of something that happened to his mother when mm. she sexually assaulted i haven't read the books either i think something like that might have happened and he also got involved with an older woman when he was younger mm. but i think something happened to his mom and i yeah. know in that that hideous movie uh after <laughs> <laughs> i think it was in the second part um 
the guy Harden is that his name? He, he, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the name! <laughs> the right itself. It's oh. weirdly sexual Harden, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that was definitely on purpose. Yeah, but yeah, there's a storyline in the second film about how his mom got raped, and he watched, or he saw that when he was young, and so now he's. That's why he's the way he is. It's almost like she's collateral damage or something, you know. The whole, the whole time, it's we're not even watching her, like really going through it. It's mostly her going through it in relation to her marriage with Mister Bates, because now he's picking up that she's, you know, not herself, and he's going to get angry and murder a man or attempt or whatever he. And it just, I don't know. It's like if writers listen to me, come here, come here, come here. If you're going to write that um, a storyline where one of your characters gets raped or tortured or waterboarded or whatever, let it let it make sense for that character. Let it have and let it be relevant to the story. Let it have an impact on their life. And please write scenes where they talk about it, where they we see them grapple with it, where they get some sort of justice for it like at the end at least Sansa got to kill her rapist like at least we got a little bit of something there but but just writing it that oh this thing happened and then yeah look at how this look at how this side character is reacting to her tragedy it's <laughs> it's like oh my god guys what 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 was the point what was the point right on to the next character Daisy 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 um We've already we've mentioned her a few times in in passing, but um, I think Daisy Daisy was kind of annoying, and I don't know. <laughs> I'm not too I'm not too sure why she was there. She was I, I think she's a good character. She's kind of entertaining, um, in the stories that she has, like when she was involved with Thomas and and William and everything. But I don't personally. I'm not a big fan. Um, the main thing for me with her character was the whole forced relationship with William, mm-hmm. and that really annoyed me <laughs> because why did why was everyone forcing her to be with this boy just because he liked her? Like, yeah, things meant nothing to you guys. <laughs> yeah, she and William got married, and then he promptly died because he was on his literally on his deathbed while they said the vows, um, and. I think we find out later that the reason he wanted to marry her was because he knew she had no family and like she was an orphan on his own. Miss Patmore, Mrs. Patmore, who was literally so horrible to her, was she saw her as a mother figure. Um, mm-hmm. So William and and William also knew his father. His father had no one, you know, no wife. William was his only son, and he now he was about to die. So he wanted them to be, have each other, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, William's father then actually took on Daisy as his heir, as 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 his heir, and then I think he even got together with Mrs. Partmore, which was whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I guess that 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 the intent of that is nice, and so she can have someone, and then she actually benefited from that. But I hated how, like you said, she was pressured into doing that because mm-hmm. she wasn't feeling it, and. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he was naive to that or he was just, he just liked her so desperately that mm-hmm. he was eating whatever attention she gave him. Because, I mean, 
like wouldn't he have been able to tell that she didn't like him that much he was just so obsessed yeah. i don't get why he was obsessed with her but he was so obsessed with her <laughs> and i i think mrs hughes or a couple of the other people downstairs also <laughs> kind of pressured her into yeah. saying yes to that romantic relationship and it just if if because <laughs> she was clearly so easily swayed I mean that we saw evidence of that when um she let Thomas soak her head in Gary when she had a crush on Thomas and you know she was lying for him and got beat in trouble for a little bit and so yeah she was just very easily swayed which I mean when you're she at the, she literally at the bottom of the house um ranking wise or whatever mm-hmm. yeah first of all you have no authority over anyone and I think that was just her personality back then so sure. at least something good came out of it she got an inheritance she got some kind of family for that um but she still i didn't like how she was pressured into doing any of that yeah i think she was very young she mm-hmm. seemed like the youngest uh worker in the house probably. Um, so and back then she would have probably been like 16 or 15 already working full-time um, because you know school what is that but <laughs> but yeah so I think she was young and she was naive um that's how why she didn't know Thomas was gay because she, <laughs> she didn't pick up on any of the signals because she didn't know much yeah. about the world and with the William thing I think he liked her and she was very clearly into Thomas and she was even a little bit mean to him sometimes so he kind of gave up then there was a scene where he was feeling sad about I think not going to war or something (laughs) and so she kissed him he took it very personally he was like oh my gosh Daisy would you be my girl (laughs) she was like uh this was all the joking stuff it wasn't really (laughs) for real and yeah, and that's how she kind of got sucked back into the whole William relationship thing. And then, first of all, why can't boys and girls just be friends? Okay, like, let's start there. <laughs> why can't we just have boy-girl friendship? Why does it always have to be a romantic thing? Why are people are trying to force William forcing a relationship with someone who clearly wasn't that into him? And then Mrs. Patmore and everyone else encouraging her to go along with it and pretend like why couldn't she just support him as a friend and tell him hey i don't want to date you but like i'm here for you to be a friend why does it always have to be something romantic or sexual that's involved so that's already annoying and then i just hate when people try and force relationships on other people i mean it's like oh you're single why like there must be something wrong with you if you're single or like what's going on you need to find a man you know because that was very much mary's storyline as well i mean hers was motivated by inheritance (laughs) and downton and but aside from that it's also you know mary needs to settle she needs to find a man type of thing and i just hate how society does that and that's one thing in society that hasn't really changed you know since the era of Downton till now people are still very much trying to get you like at our prom (laughs) so for those who don't know even though I'm sure only (laughs) friends and family are listening to us at this point (laughs) but when I went to uh, boobs and I went to the same secondary school so in our prom for some reason there was the requirement (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be serious here there was there was a requirement that for the seating arrangements that it had to be 
two guys and two girls to the table. But um, yeah, I didn't find anyone I wanted to go with. So I was just going to go by myself because again, it's no big deal to like be single or whatever. And I was going to, obviously I had friends. I was going to hang out with them, whatever. And so I wanted to sit at a table with my friends because I didn't have a prom date. And the powers that be told me that I couldn't, that it was it was impossible to arrange to have me seated next to my friends because it had to be two boys and two girls and so i needed to find myself a prom date and it was just the most ridiculous conversation i remember <laughs> this was ss3 so i was 17 and i remember thinking to myself what kind of ridiculous nonsense <laughs> is this like why like why from such a young age are we already thinking because the people who are saying this to me were also girls in my year who were organizing yeah. tables so it's like why from such a young age do we have it in our minds that it needs to be that boys and girls always need to be coupled up together that you always need to have a prom date you need to have a husband you need to have somebody on your arm otherwise like society will crumble it just it made no sense so when i was watching the daisy william um <laughs> the daisy william storyline i took it very personally <laughs> <laughs> because i was like no daisy fight back you don't have to do this first of all i mean the way prom is everywhere your prom date is probably going to be it's usually going to be someone like your boyfriend your girlfriend or someone you're romantically <laughs> attached to or if not if you want to go just as friends like that's fine but also people go to prom alone <laughs> well people go to prom alone so it's funny that they required that they made that a must, like, it was, I want to know, because I, I, I know the people in our cell were organizing it, but I feel like it was someone, like, an authority figure, um, mm-hmm. someone in the administration. Yeah, so I think, I, I kind of liked Daisy's storyline with William. I mean, it annoyed me, but I think it was interesting to have it in there um, and see how someone can be so pressured into into a full marriage like it was it was so crazy how it all just happened quickly because then he got ill and he died and he wanted to marry her before he died so and and if you if you let people run your life for you they will do it like people will just insert themselves into your life and start telling you what to do giving you unsolicited advice and then one day when you end up fucking miserable crying in your room they'll be like ah who sent you <laughs> like Oh, yeah. Okay. So another, I guess, trap, I don't know if it's a trap, but another thing that Downton Abbey did that is very popular with period pieces mm. that involve mainly white people. Yeah. Well, okay. European period pieces, British period pieces, obviously they're going to be about white people. At some point <laughs> in the show, usually later on, like if, if, it's, if the show runs for like five, six seasons, mm. around the fourth, fifth season, you're going to notice a hint of color because mm-hmm. they'll bring in like one or two black people just for the sake of diversity or something just i don't know to address the slavery thing mm-hmm. and it's like that's not how you want to address that you do just randomly throw in one person so you can't so yep. and it's funny because usually the way the main characters will react to this black person and they're usually darker skinned you know, oh, unless they're supposed to be biracial, um, but the way they'll react to this dark-skinned black person is like, oh, to show that see our characters are, are so good that even in the eighteen hundreds they were not racist. When in mm. reality, 
everyone was racist. Yeah. Even even the good people still had negative views of black people because exactly. that was just what was the norm then. So it's funny how when they do it in shows like this, you see our main our main white main characters having you know being not racist and having such um great attitudes towards black people i mean like it's great and that's what we want but that's just not how it is and i i, I hate when i hate when they just throw that in like if you want to make it if you want to pull off a bridgerton and just have people of all races there and not and you know ignore historical accuracy i can't be done with that i can't dig it just let's ignore that like it especially since the story itself is most likely fiction why not have a cast that is not really representative of what it was back then mm-hmm. so yeah there was a black guy on the show for like two seconds yeah i barely remember his episodes and <sighs> he also quickly he was actually a love interest for one of them. yeah interesting yes again even even more unreal actually yeah what being a love interest happened? like they would have like they were definitely seen as sexual objects, like the black people back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love interests. I don't know if they were ever seen as potential love interests. Yeah. But, not, yeah. yeah. Not not serious potential. Not serious. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously there were a few exceptions to that, but um, usually it was just like a casual hookup thing because somebody wanted to sleep with a black person, yeah. um, and see what it was like, um, and then you have. A couple of instances of actual like true love um like that loving case that they made mm-hmm. a movie out of with them yeah. ruth Neger, that that was obviously actual love um but yeah the the black person thing um <laughs> they did that on mad men as well which was so interesting again towards the later seasons um I don't know who was asking for diversity. I know I surely wasn't. I I was fine with my all white cast. I was completely content. I did not need to see a black woman there for what? I mean, I guess they had to touch on segregation and all that stuff. So it was like, oh, we need to have a black person. So cool. But in the case of Downton Abbey, I don't even know what they touched on. They just had him there to have him there, I guess, to show that, to make it more realistic, maybe, because there were black people there in England at that time, obviously. But they didn't give him any sort of substantial role. He was just Rose's uh, love interest, who was, um, Rose was their young cousin who came to live with them. And and yeah, he, she, he wasn't a serious candidate. <laughs> he, I mean, they, they said they were gonna get married, but Rose was just doing that to piss off her mom, which again is, is a trope that actually happens in real life where um, a rich white kid will go and date, you know, someone they're not supposed to date, quote unquote, just to piss off their parents, whether that's a black person or an Irish person or I don't know, or uh, who, who else are they not supposed to, or a poor person. Yeah, they'll do that just to make mom and dad angry, and um, and again, this is <laughs> propaganda. I feel like we're using that word a lot, but truly, because the way Julian, he, Julian didn't even really the way he wrote. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to say. The way he explored racism within the storyline and the and the dialogue was so interesting because. There's there's a scene where Jack the the black guy is um downstairs with the servants, and Mr. Carson comes in and he's looking all like shocked, like ooh this black man is is here, 
how crazy and he says something like oh wouldn't you prefer to go back to africa that's his first like sentence and i'm like um okay <laughs> and then jack says something about oh why don't you go back to africa you know i'm not that much more african than you or whatever so he has like a comeback and then jack says something about how his ancestors got here like here being england and he said oh my people came here in the 17 something something you know but we won't say how they they did obviously hinting at slavery and all yeah. of that lord carson then says something about how lord henley who is who's a judge in the uk said that once a man sets sets foot on english soil he's free so basically saying you know bringing up a, a, a judge a british judge who said something against slavery to make it seem like <laughs> like the brits are so against slavery like he literally said that you know uk fought against slavery and fought to end it and then there's no rebuttal to that that's like the last thing that gets said in that scene and then mrs hughes and jack just exchange a knowing look like oh mr carson he's so silly and i just watched that scene like so this is all we're gonna say about that like if you're gonna you don't you, um see, my thing is you didn't even have to have this black man here right yeah yeah but now that he's here we're not even gonna properly address that you're gonna now use him to write this narrative that oh the uk isn't that racist basically which is literally what we're dealing with right now in 2021 the whole oh a report coming out by a research done by the government saying that oh the uk isn't that racist <laughs> and people are like no the uk is fucking racist what are you talking about <laughs> like um the case shanley v harvey where lord henley says that when a man sets foot in england he's free is had to do with slavery but then that comment by lord henley was only like obiter dictum so basically obiter dictum is just something it just says in passing so it's like when you're talking about your judgment in the case you're just like oh yeah and by the way when a man sets foot in england he's free you know and so it wasn't it wasn't racial dissidenti it wasn't actually the reason for his judgment so therefore basically what that means is that it's not binding so that whole lord henley spiel that carson was on that it's irrelevant <laughs> like it's not actual law it didn't change anything for anybody after that case, after the Shanley v. Harvey case, like 10, 20 years later, there's another case where it's ruled that you can actually insure your slaves. Like mm -hmm. slaves, slaves can be insured like chattel. So when your slave dies on the slave ship, you can oh, yeah. pay money for them. And and this happened years. So it's like, what? <laughs> What are you talking about, Carson? What is this? And nobody challenges it. That's just my thing. It's like, nobody says, oh, Carson, that's ridiculous, actually. Duh, 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 duh. And I guess it would be depressing maybe to start talking about slavery in the middle, <laughs> in the middle of the dance. You know, it's supposed to be light viewing, haha, <laughs> happy times. But then don't bring it up. Don't bring it up yeah. at all. It's just, uh, why have this man here? <laughs> but he's done it now. So I just wanted to touch on that quickly and be like, this is how, because we last week we we're talking about how American propaganda and they always propping themselves up. Britain is the king of that shit. Like yeah. the way they rewrite their history, you will literally think that they are the saviors of the world, that they went into India to help the poor Indians out, <laughs> like that they invented the spices, not stole them. Like you would literally think they've never done anything bad. 
even though the whole world is like, excuse me? <laughs> in Rain, there's a pirate um, who finds something because she, she, Queen Elizabeth is kind of struggling to, you know, like rule England because she's a woman and everyone's being sexist towards her. So she gets this pirate dude who brings her some treasure, some ish, and she's like, okay, I send you out in the name of Queen Elizabeth of England or whatever to go and explore the globe and bring me more treasure. Mm-hmm. And it was in the rain it was shot as this like great moment for her because she was like taking charge and she was girl bossing and she was you know you know doing shit for england to make them wealthy but then i thought to myself where is this man going (laughs) like isn't he coming over to my yeah (laughs) like you mean he he, you're sending him to come and take my things like my people's belongings wow it was just like But again, of course, nobody, there was no mention of where he was going to get all this treasure from. I don't know, it was buried in the Atlantic somewhere (laughs) as if he wasn't going to steal from everybody else. But that's what they do. This final segment called Final Thoughts. Um, Mine are going to be brief this week. So with Downton Abbey, um, before we started recording this episode, if you had asked me if I would recommend it, I was actually going to say yes. Sure, why not? It's a fun show. Yeah. Very, so many people loved it. When it was on air, it was one of the most popular shows then. But now that we've talked through it, I actually don't think I would recommend it <laughs> to people so much. Like Thinking back, I'm like, it wasn't that great. And even yeah. I watched it, for well, the first time in like 2017, 16, around then, and I started, I wanted to rewatch it now for this podcast. And at first, like the first, I think season one was a good season. That was when I was watching it, I was like, oh wow, it was funnier than I remembered, and you know, this and that. But then as it went on, I just, I found that I couldn't, I think, I, because I, I didn't watch it to the end last time. And then in rewatching it now, I was like, yeah, now I remember why I didn't finish it. But yeah, it was not a completely horrible show. It's just, it didn't age well. It wasn't, it's not as good. Yeah, so I just feel like Downton was, um, it wasn't a bad show, but it, it, it didn't age well. And I feel like as people are becoming a little more socially conscious and we're thinking more deeply about racism and sexism and and classism, that's a huge thing. I'm I'm hoping that we'll we'll stop seeing um, shows like Downton. Well, I hope that I think we should still have period pieces like Downton Abbey, but that they should be a lot better written. And you don't have to sugarcoat the past and say that everything was good and everyone was peaceful and there was no racism and there was no classism. There's no need to, you know, go and revise history. But I think we need to be more critical of whose perspective uh, we view the history through, you know, who is telling the story and why and what is their, what, what is their intention. It's um, Downton Abbey, perfect um, Aristoganda. And, um, <laughs> and that, I'll try my British accent now. <clears throat> and that, our dear listeners, is on period. Ooh, 
And that's a wrap on Downton Abbey. Tell us what you think of Downton Abbey and our review. We are at Hostel underscore 43 on Twitter and Instagram. Till next time. Cheers.